0: Good morning. Welcome everyone uh, to worship here at Springfield Church of the Brethren. It is uh, August the 23rd. Uh, something I do want to make apparent for everyone, we do live broadcast this every week, Um and while this microphone on my computer isn't the greatest in the world, it's really designed for a face-to-face conversations, not for recording worships, um, it does sometimes pick up folks when you're sharing um, concerns. Uh, it is up to you how much information you wish to share. Just be aware that it is being live broadcast and we can't edit that back out later. Um, if you're unsure, I always invite you to fill these out. I'm happy to edit these down as I'm reading them out for you. Uh, just one to make sure you are 100% aware of that. For those of you who are at home, you can always send prayer requests ahead of time to the prayer request email, which is springfieldprayers at gmail.com. Or you can email to me at scob.andrew at gmail.com. I check my email right up until the beginning of worship. If you send it in now, I'm not going to see it. All right. A couple of announcements this um, coming up. I am going on vacation at the end of this week. My last day in the office will be Thursday. And like every father out there ever, I am planning to be on the road and beat the traffic at 6 a.m. I'll be happy if I get out on the road at 9. Uh, so if I will be around, you can feel free to reach out to me after that day. I'm still gonna be checking emails and whatnot. You just may not get a real quick reply from me. Um, but if you need prayer request. Or anything like that, reach out to your deacons, or you can reach out to our very own Bonnie Young, who is helping now with the prayer request. Um, just give her a call. She'll also have access to the email address, so she'll also see emails there. Bonnie wanted to let you know that she's there to pray with you, she's there to get the information, um, and she wants to do it quickly and efficiently and get it out for you. So if you've got to grumble, I guess call me later, you can grumble with me. (laughs) Um, Are there any other, uh, sorry, announcements anyone wishes to share? Okay. Just double checking all this. Are there any prayer requests you wish to share today? Thank you, Joel. So prayers for our sister, Bev, who has been having falling and dizzy spells um, and currently can't drive. She's going in to see some doctors this week. So, continued prayers for Kurt and Tammy. Um, if you saw the prayer request or the prayer chain, um, Kurt had an accident, fell off a crane. He is doing better. He's in ICU still, um, and for now, Tammy is unable to visit him because of the current constraints we have in hospitals right now. And prayers for our brother Doran, who's in Cleveland Clinic and unresponsive to voices. Um, And on a respirator, he's had some seizures, just not doing real well at the moment. But we're going to keep him in prayer, hold him close. Prayers for Jeff. Yeah, another prayer chain that went out. A friend of Dwayne's named Jeff passed away this last week. Of course, continued prayers uh, for Karen and her family. Uh, She is currently at home uh, in hospice. Uh, The surgeries do not appear to have uh, worked. I have one prayer request over here. Um, prayers for the Clarkson family, um, a friend of the, the Naylor family. A uh, four-year-old um, had heart surgery. Uh, he was three months uh, premature, which that's, that's a hard surgery for such a little one. So prayers for their family. You'll now enter into a time of worship as we listen to our opening music. If you'll pray with me, holy, creator, loving God, we thank you that we can worship again together, that we can raise your name, that we can bask in your glory. We lift up, especially this day, some of our brothers and sisters We ask for their comfort in trying times for the healing of bodies, for feeling your loving arms around them. We lift up our brother, Doran, and our sister, Karen. We lift up our sister, Bev. We think of the Clarkson family, and we think of Kurt and Tammy we pray for healing and we pray for comfort we pray that your word will speak to us today that as we leave this place that that word will seep into our very souls and to help us live into the beings you called us to. We pray as we go out that we'll hear the birds, we'll see the sunshine, we'll see smiling faces and sad faces, and faces with concern, and be able to be bearers of the gospel to every one of them. Thank you, Lord, in all these things. Amen. And we are uh, special music today is being provided by Joel Sheets. Um, I'm going to try to better be make sure I put up all this information. Um, It's Lover of My Soul by Jonathan McReynolds.
1: string I trust the lover, the lover of my soul.
0: Thank you so much, Joel. Beautiful. Our reading today comes from Acts 16. I'm going to be reading 13 through 18 and 25 through 34. Let's set that back there, out of the way. On the Sabbath day, we went outside the gates to the riverside. We were supposed to. There was supposed to be a place of prayer there, and we sat down and spoke to a woman to the women who had come together. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods and who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul, and afterward she was baptized as well as her whole household. She urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come and stay at my house. She prevailed upon us. And we were going to the place of prayer and we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much by fortune-telling. She followed us, crying out, These men are servants of the Most High God, who proclaimed to you the way of salvation. She kept doing this for many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to her, I command in the name of of Jesus Christ that spirit to come out of you. And at that very hour, it came out. Skipping a little forward, Paul and Silas are put in prison for doing this. but Paul cried in a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are here. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought himself, brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke to the word, spoke the word of the Lord to him and to those in his house. He took that moment, that night, and washed their wounds and was baptized, and he and all his family as well. And they brought them into his house, and he set food before them and rejoiced along with his entire household that he believed in God. Blessed is the word of the sacred. There was a young pastor and I can't help reading myself into this story a little bit, but there was a young pastor ready to preach his first sermon. He spent all night working on it. He didn't go to bed until the wee hours of the morning. However, the weather decided on something a little different and he woke up to a world of snow and ice and impassable roads. Only the pastor who lived in the next-door parsonage and the farmer whose fields bordered the church property were able to make it to the church that morning. "'I guess we'll cancel services for today,' said the pastor. The farmer replied to him, "'When I go out to feed my cows.'" If only one cow shows up, I feed her. You're right, said the pastor. And he walked up into the pulpit, dispensing with the music, went ahead into his prepared prayers, his scripture, and then launched into a very passionate, very long sermon. It was a wonderfully put-together sermon. With illustrative anecdotes, exploration of the text, full of humor and thoughtfulness, and it even had a touch of fire and brimstone in it. Overall, it was a work of the oratorial art. When he finished and gave the benediction, he walked back down to where this farmer was sitting in the pews. What did you think? How did I do? The farmer scratched his chin and thought for a moment. Well, if I go out to feed my cows and only one shows up, I feed her. But I don't give her all the food. I worry that I overload Grace, my daughter. I think that story, I mean, who we are, who we were, who we will be, is a complex thing. It's a mix of genetics and environment, events, happenings, relationships, personality, illness, health, interactions, and frankly, a whole lot of chance. It's impossible for us to go guess where we are going, let alone make that estimation on someone else. This is what keeps me on my toes with grace, constantly on the lookout, trying to gauge her levels of empathy, her level of intelligence, her level of maturity. I want to give her the best possible parenting. I want to set her up for the voyage of her life as best I can. But I think I'm giving her probably more than she needs and certainly more than she wants, like that young pastor. I can't help it. I just want to give it all to her. I want to set her up, as I said, the best I can. When Jesus talks about how the gospel spreads, how we learn, he he compares it to a sower who throws seeds out indiscriminately wherever he goes. So seeds fall on all kinds of earth. Some of them are good, it's good soil where the seeds will grow. Sometimes it's bad soil, sometimes it's too dry or has too much competition. You never know. So how do you find the good soil? How do you know where to spread those seeds of the gospel? Now I say all this with the knowledge that I have people in this congregation, those who are in this building and those who are watching from home, that they know a lot more about gardening and farming than I do. So please don't hold this too much against me. But when I think of good soil, I think of areas where good soil has been gathered like fields and gardens. I mean, places where it's monitored for mineral and elemental contents, pH levels, hydration, draining, weed and pest control. We think of them in these gathered spaces. We look to large uniform areas that just isn't always the case. I mean, we humans are constantly throwing out handfuls of seeds. Not always necessarily gospel seeds. Sometimes it's just everyday things. I mean, I think of my father making this really dumb little joke and how that landed in me. I was at that age where I was old enough to kind of do what I needed take care of myself. But I wasn't old enough to stay at the house in the middle of the woods when they went out for meetings. So this meant we went with them and I would have to entertain myself and my brothers or they would entertain themselves for the hours while we were at some church or some, at the district office while they had meetings. I was old enough, I thought I could stay at home. Dad joked, I can't leave you at home. There might be mobsters in the woods. It was a dumb joke the kind of dumb joke I'm liable to make myself. But that landed in the fertile soil of my imagination. I would spend the next couple years, whenever I dropped the garbage off at night, sprinting back to the house, feeling the eyes of the mafiosos watching me from the middle of a random woods. We can never tell where those seeds will land. That was kind of a funny instance, but I mean, you never know. We have histories full of people with these random little events in their lives changing the course of their lives and the course of history. We have Joseph Michel Moncoffier who watched sparks and smoke rise up a chimney and the seed was planted that led to the first hot air balloons and the first human flight. We have William Henry from Lancaster, PA who visited England and saw Watts' steam engine. He came back and experimented on his own and sunk it to the bottom of the river by accident. A young Robert Fulton saw it, and in him the idea was planted, and eventually we got the steam paddle boat, which opened up the interior of the US for the first time and created a major economic boom. We have people like Abraham Lincoln, who on his second trip to New Orleans, saw slavery in its full brutality. It reshaped who he was. And by that, it reshaped what our country is. We see these seeds. We see where they grow. We don't always know where they came. In fact, sometimes it's even hard to see the seedlings or the trees they grow into. I know what my parents have done for me in a lot of ways, but there's plenty of trees out there that I don't remember who planted them, whether I never realized they planted them at all, or whether it's just lost to the mist of my past and I've sadly forgotten. But because of his letters and because of Luke's writings, we actually know a lot about the seeds of the kingdom of heaven that Paul spreads. In today's pericope, Paul and Silas are finally in mainland Greece. Technically, it's the country of Macedonia, which is being ruled over by the Romans, but anyway, they have traveled from Jerusalem back to Antioch and Syria. They have walked the length of modern-day Turkey, crossed the Aegean with a short stop at an island. Landed at Neapolis and then traveled to Philippi, the city named after the person who conquered it 400 years ago, Philip II of Macedonia, better known as Alexander the Great's dad. Paul and Silas, along with Timothy, 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 and it appears Luke, because all of a sudden Luke starts using the language we instead of they, have now come here because Paul had a vision of a Macedonian calling for Paul to preach to them. So they found themselves in this city full of Macedonians, and they began to preach the gospel, and immediately found fertile ground in Lydia, a merchant and a worshiper of God. This isn't surprising. It just isn't. I mean, where would be the place you expect to find people open to hearing the message of God? probably at a place where they pray to God, right? But it does remind us that we should speak the gospel to those that we worship with, because those seeds strengthen one another and help us on our path. And then we meet a slave girl. Now, if you read a translation like I did today... It says, a spirit of divination. I believe that's what the NIV says. I think I read English Standard. You might also crack open the book, especially an older translation might call it the spirit of Python, which that's a primordial being that was killed by the Greek god Apollo. And then its spirit was used to foretell the future. If you read your Greek epics, this is the Oracle of Delphi is using this spirit. And sometimes people are afflicted with it, like poor Cassandra in the Iliad and the Odyssey and the play Agamemnon, who is cursed to know the future but never be believed. And apparently, this young lady has also been cursed with this. I love to dip my toes just a little bit into Greek mythology. I find it interesting. But we can't forget that this is how most of these people in this city are viewing the world. They are viewing it through stories of Hermes and Apollo and Zeus. And then they're coming into contact with Paul and the living God. Now, we aren't told if this slave girl hears Paul actually preach the gospel. We don't know that. We don't know how she comes into contact with the gospel, if she comes in contact with the gospel. She may be more like Legion, back in, I think it's the Gospel of Luke, who has so full of spirits that when he sees Jesus, he knows who Jesus is without Jesus preaching it. But for whatever reason, she sees them, and by her actions, I believe she immediately has faith in God. She can't stop pointing it out. These men, they are the servants of the Most High, God, who proclaim the way, the salvation for you. She does this day after day after day, until finally Paul gets so annoyed, he pushes the Pythonian spirit out of her. Paul gave her a very potent kind of salvation as he freed her from her burden. There's a lot to unpack in here. Stories and thoughts about slavery, human trafficking, being used and taken advantage of, about a young woman inflicted with a terrible curse and then being forced to use that curse over and over again for the profit of another. For many people, this isn't where you expect to find faith. This is the opposite of where you expect to find faith. This is the person who is the lowest of the low. But of course, this is also the person that Jesus invites to come eat with him. This is the person Jesus stops and talks to. So while Paul may have made his action out of annoyance, for her, it's a great gift. Don't be afraid to spread the seeds of the gospel in every place you go, whether it's at church or work or the worst neighborhood you can think of. However, the part I kind of skipped over a bit today, Paul's actions threaten to take away his own freedom, and Paul and company find themselves stripped, beaten, and thrown in jail, tightly secured in leg stocks to the wall. But those walls and those stocks are broken open by an earthquake. The moment before the jailer takes his own life, rather than face judgment for his failure in his job, Paul calls out to him and saves his life. The jailer is amazed in what happened. Last to taught and is asked to be taught the way to salvation, and he and his family are baptized into the way that night. Paul and Silas are lying beaten in a prison that was just cracked open by an earthquake. And Paul's concern isn't about himself. It's for this jailer, his jailer. Now, I remain unconvinced that the jailer would have really heard the gospel in any meaningful way if not all these events had happened. He's like hard sod. It needs to be broken and turned over so that the seeds of the gospel find a place to grow. So, I guess don't speak the gospel when you are only at your good place. Speak it in every place you are, even when you're at your lowest. Three spots of fertile ground found ready and waiting for the seeds of the gospel to be thrown in a prepared place and an expected spot, a hidden spot stumbled on by accident, and a place found through a series of unexpected events that needed just a little preparation. Paul knew he was coming here to preach. He knew he was coming here to sow the seeds of the gospel. But he had no idea where those seeds would fall and no idea where those seeds would take root. I think I'll try to let up a little bit on grace. Grace. I'm sure that will also come with getting older and being, well, worn down by the actual raising of a child. I say this looking at all the moms and dads in this room, and they're all nodding their heads. Yep. I'll relax a little bit, I'm sure. I think things are going to turn out just fine. The seeds that have been planted in my life have grown into trees of life. They have continually pointed me back towards the kingdom. I'll try my best to keep scattering the seeds that I have gotten from them. These seeds of the kingdom, these seeds of the gospel. And hope that someday some of these seeds will grow in her life. And become trees of life for her as well. Honestly, the hardest part is probably being a PK, a pastor's kid she's going to get it day and night. <laughs> what we are are carriers of the gospel. We are apostles just like Peter and Paul. We are sowers of the kingdom of heaven, walking through our world. Every step we make, every word we say, every action we take, We are spreading out the seeds of the gospel onto all kinds of soils. Let's spread it on all kinds of soils because you never know when those seeds will find a way to grow because it's the word and it will find a way. Thank you. Faith is like a dandelion. It's hard to kill. It's tenacious. It will grow wherever it can grow. And it spreads out on the wind with just the lightest puff of air. But it still takes that puff of air. As you go out this day, may you be spreading dandelion seeds wherever you go and making little yellow suns grow every place, brightening this world, and making it a little more like the kingdom of heaven.